Hello. Khanat, you guys have a good holiday. Some of you were working this holiday. Some of the doctors were working. Uh, the Lord bless you. We love you guys. Um, so I want to I talk about New Year's resolutions because I have a pet peeve against New Year's resolutions. I don't like New Year's resolutions. This is what I hear when people say, I have a New Year's resolution. Is for a good half of the year, say, let's, let's round it off to about 340 days of the year. There are things that I know I should be doing that I'm not doing. But for the first couple of weeks, when the year starts, I will think about those things to ease my conscience, and then I will forget about those things and think about them in the n- next year. Amen? Right? There was... <laughs> I saw this, this picture online, a friend of mine, I was talking to a friend of mine about New Year's resolutions, and he sent me this picture saying he's going he's gonna to start a, a gym called Resolutions, and what they will do is they will, it will be a gym for the first three weeks of the year, and then for the rest of the year, it will just be a sports bar. <laughs> well, you can make money off that. Uh, sign me up. Okay. Well, it depends how well the Springboks do this year, I guess. Hey, World Cup year. Oh, gosh. Lord, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Clyde. Go to New Zealand, it's fine. (laughs) Okay, let's open our Bibles um, to Ephesians 5. Um, I'm going to, you can read, for the the sake of time, I'm going to read from verse 11. But if you do this in your quiet time, you can read the whole chapter for, for context. So I'm going to read from Ephesians 5, verse 11. Does anybody need a Bible? Where are our Bibles? Uh, Okay. We'll sort that out just now. Okay. Um, From verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk. Listen to this. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. To me, it is madness, absolute madness, that we spend three weeks of the year taking life seriously. That's what a New Year's resolution is to me. And for the rest of the year, it seems, doesn't it just seem like time seems to disappear? You know, it just, it goes. It, it, I don't know what happens to it. 
You know, I often talk to people and say, hey, do you want, do you want to come there? And say, oh, I'm really busy. I remember talking to one guy about it a couple of years ago, and he's like, oh, I'm really busy. And I said, well, what are you doing? And he was honest enough, and he goes, you know what, I don't know. I don't know what I'm busy with. But I'm busy. I know that I'm busy. But I don't know what I'm busy with, you know. And I, I remember when I was doing uh, ministry training, and, and one, of, one of the sessions was time management, and that's always convicting for me, personally. Um, and, you know, the, the lady who was running it, she, like, said, okay, you know, how many, if you were to take your day and break it down into 24 hours, and say you spent eight hours sleeping, oh, that would be fantastic, eight hours sleeping, and you spent five hours at work, and you spent an hour on lunch, and... You know, and you add up all the time, and I'm throwing in stuff there that I don't even do that I wish I did, you know. And then when I added up all the hours, it came up to about 19 hours. And for some reason, there's still a five hours. I don't know where those five hours go to. That's five hours of my day. I don't know what happens to it. And then you expand that, and you look at a year at 365 days, and you take your year... And you're like, where did all that time go? You know, I, I had a kid last year, and when I blinked, he was just born. And now he's running around and walking and getting lost, and I'm having to figure out where he is half the time. You know, I was like, weren't you born yesterday? Why are you walking? Just give me a break. Let me get off the couch. Gosh, you know, that's, that's life, you know. My, my mother said to me, when it comes to kids, the days are short, but the, ach, the, the days are long, but the years are short, right? You know what I mean, eh? But there's, there's an aspect to being aware of the passing of time, or being unaware of the passing of time being related to being asleep, that Paul in Ephesians is trying to relate. He starts with this, awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you will walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay? Making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. We've got to wake up. We have a very short amount of time, right? Uh, Dion, can you play that, that video? I want to show you a video quickly. I wanted to do this illustration, but I think Francis Chan does a bit. Let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh, man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
about this? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. Great. Thanks. Dan. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. Isn't that, isn't that crazy, eh? Okay. But there's, there's another question. Why... For what do we need to be awake? And there's a key over there in verse 17. Um, So we read verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So then the question is, what is the will of the Lord? Okay, so I want you to break up into groups of four, four four-ish. Okay, there's some scriptures I put over there, some clues. Um, you can use that if you want. Break up into groups of four. What do you think is the will of the Lord? Okay, groups of four. Discuss with your friends. Four or five. Sorry, that first verse is supposed to be 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, not 8. Let's continue. I am very loud at the moment. <laughs> okay, so who wants to have a go? Who, what, is, what is the will of God? Being Christ-like, always a good answer. Anybody else? Yes, Ronell. To live with thankful hearts. It's good, it's good. To live with joy. To love, love the brethren. Cool. Anybody else? Hear the Lord. Vulnerable, sure. Uh, honorable. Honorable is also good, but honorable, yeah. Yes. Doing good to others. Okay. So, I want to break up the will of God into three parts. Past, present, and future, okay? And I believe why, why God makes a big deal of being thankful because part of being present, part of being awake or <laughs> woke, if you want to call it that one, part of being awake in today's age is being aware of where you are at right now, okay? And the implication of what right now has for your life. When you woke up this morning, or probably not this morning, but you made a decision to come to church, 
this morning for whatever reason, okay? And there was a decision that was made because of the value systems that you have, correct? Okay? And that value system that you have is based on what has gone before, okay? And how it impacts today and the value that it will put into your life going in the future, right? Does that make sense? Okay? And some people come to church for the wrong reasons, sure. Um, you know, some, uh, especially in the evening service, a lot of guys come to church because they want to meet a girl. A lot of girls meet, come to church because they're trying to avoid the guys. I don't know. No, joking. <laughs> um, some people come to church out of fear because they, their relationship with God is fear-based. But regardless, we can, we can analyze all the different stories. Those, I don't believe those are particularly important to God. God is after your heart, but you have a value system. And that value system is built up of what has gone before, how it, how it impacts your decisions today, and the value that it will add into your life going on in the future. It's, it's an investment, right? Um, and there's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with looking at it as an investment. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, it says, Give thanks in all things. This is the will of God. Okay? If you were, if you were a Jew living in the time... Of, of Jesus, you would understand that a big part of your culture is to make memorials, to set up memorials. Memorials for what? To remind yourself of what has gone before, that God took you out of Egypt, that he sent plagues upon the Egyptians to force them to release, that he intervened, okay? And that is part of being thankful. Why is this the will of God? Because if you read the Old Testament, it is a story of people that forgot where they came from. It is very important to remember where you've come from. And in the hardest times I've found in my life, when I'm at my lowest, how I remember, how I get through that time and have hope for the future is to remember what has gone before. God will not leave me financially destitute because in the past, X, Y, and Z happened. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is the will of God? To give thanks in all things. Why? To remember what you have come from. It is important to remember, to make a habit of remembering where you come from. Are you with me? Okay, I challenge you, make it a habit that you either as an individual or with your family give thanks for what has come. This builds memorials. When we're going through difficult times, we can remember what God has done. Second thing, I love this one, 1 Peter 2 verse 15. For this is the will of God. That by doing, doing good, that's present tense, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Okay? That by doing, not that by what you have done, but that what are you are doing now. And it's also not by talking good, because we all we like to talk, 
like to talk about doing it, but by doing good, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. What is, what is the best antidote to people who have a lot to say against you? I, I will, you say you have faith, I will show you my faith by what I do. Your actions, it's not that, that doesn't negate what Paul was saying, that salvation only comes through faith. James is just pointing out that the best way to truly see what somebody believes is by what they do, right? If you want to put people to silence, God is saying, don't get involved with stupid arguments. Don't fight with people. Show them there is a better way. This is the will of God, that you put to silence foolish ignorance by what you are doing now. Okay? And if you can't put people to silence, it doesn't mean that you start overcompensating by talking more. It means you need to look at what you're doing. Right? There's a scripture in uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, and it says this, um, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in life and love and faith and speech and in poetry. And when I was, when I was 16, I read that scripture like, uh, yes, you know, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. I'm gonna, they're going to see, you know. And I, I really took it as, as a rebellious interpretation. But, but Paul is, is writing this letter to Timothy and this is what he's saying. He's saying the same things as he is in, in Thessalonians. He's saying, um, Timothy, do not let your youth be a stumbling block for other people. Look at what you're doing. Set an example. Make sure that, no, that by the things that you do, nobody has an argument against you. Because people talk, and talk is cheap. It was true then, it's even more true now. You know, I was, um, I was reading this article of a, of a painter who, uh, he paints art, what they call a hyper, hyper-realism art. It's, it's incredible. It looks like photographs. It's these picture, it's these paintings that they paint of people. And, it, the, and the, the idea is to make it as realistic as possible. And it looks like photographs. And... And in this article, he was saying he wished he would have been born 200, 300 years ago. Because if he was able to do what he can do now, 200 to 300 years ago, he would have, by today's standards, he would have been in the same league as Da Vinci, Leonardo, you know, etc., etc. But he says the problem is that the art world is so oversaturated. There's so much noise, so much visual noise. It's so difficult to make anything that stands out because everybody's doing it. And talk is like that. But there's one thing that hasn't become like that, and that is actions. People are by impressed by people who walk the walk and not necessarily just talk the talk. And, I mean, videos become viral every week for people that do things, and it's... Sometimes it's the weirdest thing. Huh? Somebody showed me a video of a guy pulling a cat out of the river. That's what people get famous for. 
because people are impressed by people who do things. Talk is cheap. So there's, there's the second, there's the, there's the past, giving thanks, building those memorials. And we can definitely give thanks for, for uh, what Jesus is doing now. The point I'm just making is that we're talking about this being awake. So just to recap, awake is being fully present of where you are right now by knowing where you've come from so that you can make better decisions of where you are going, right? So giving thanks talks about this, knowing where we've come from. Our present should be determined by our actions, not our talk. That doesn't mean talking is bad. It just means talk without action means nothing, okay? Faith without works is dead. Okay, let's turn to Romans. Romans 14. Romans 14 is a scripture that I find myself coming back to again and again. I I probably spent maybe the whole of last year just on this scripture. Um, I'm just going to read verse 17 to 18. Just for the context of the scripture, this context is... um, Paul talking, he's writing uh, this letter to the church in, in Rome, and he's talking to them about how to get along, not with unbelievers, but with believers, you know. And he starts off using an analogy of food, and he says, uh, I'll read this for you because this is hilarious. I just love this. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. <laughs> oh, man. That's that's scripture. You got to go deal with that. <laughs> but uh, the point that he's making, he goes on to say that the people of strong faith should not judge those with weak faith. He says this. I love this. He says, "Who are you to judge another man's servant? Surely by his own master he will rise or fall, and surely God will make him stand." Isn't that beautiful? And Further down at verse 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Okay, you can, you can put anything in the kingdom of God. is not about uh, infant baptism or water baptism. The kingdom of God is not about having church on a Saturday or a Sunday. The kingdom of God is not about having a church in a building or under a tree. Okay, there's many arguments you could fit in there. The kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. What you can eat, what you shouldn't eat. Listen to this, this is beautiful. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Isn't that beautiful? Eh? The kingdom of God is not about your stupid arguments. Okay? The kingdom of God is about righteousness. What is righteousness? Right, so to be in right standing literally means right standing. So if I am declared righteous, it means that I am in right standing with God. I have the right to boldly approach the throne room of God. Okay? 
So the kingdom of God is about righteousness, understanding that you are righteous, not by your own deeds, but by the blood of Christ. Amen? Okay? There's nothing that you can do to earn that righteousness, but God, Jesus, has paid the price by his blood on the cross, and when you accept that sacrifice, you are declared righteous, your sins are paid for. Okay? So the kingdom of God is about righteousness. The kingdom of God is about peace, pursuing peace, peace with your neighbors. And peace is, not, um, peace is not something that you keep. Peace is something that you make. So that doesn't mean that there's necessarily a lack of turmoil and we sweep everything under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen. You know, that's not peace. Peace is ripping off the scabs to clean out the pus. That's peace. Okay? Great. Ooh. I can't wait for Sunday lunch. Yes. So the kingdom of God is about righteousness, right standing with God, understanding Christ has paid for my sins, peace, pursuing peace, making peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Not happiness, okay? Joy. And happiness is dependent on my circumstances, okay? When the Springboks are winning, I am happy. Likewise, when the New Zealanders are losing, hey Clyde, I am happy. <laughs> um, but when I have joy, doesn't matter what the Springboks do, my joy is dependent on what Christ has done on the cross. Amen? Okay. And this is what the kingdom of God is about. Pursuing peace, peace with people, pursuing joy, joy in the Holy Spirit, pursuing righteousness, righteousness by the shed blood of Christ. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Okay, so what determines our actions going forward? Are we pursuing peace? Are we pursuing up, mutual upbuilding? When I have an interaction with Ursula, is my interaction with her to build her up or to break her down? And this is, and this is what talk does. Talk, people talk. But all I'm really trying to do with Warwick is just show him how much I know about the Bible. Oh, and good, man, I'm so good. And you should listen to the revelations that I have, Warwick. I'm not, I'm not interested in building him up. I'm not interested in pursuing peace with him. I'm interested in him listening to how great I am. That's what talk is. Okay? And maybe you go, yeah, but I don't break people down. Indifference breaks people down. If you're not building them up, you are breaking them down. Okay? If you don't believe me, I counsel so many guys who tell me, they say this, I say, ask them, has your, ever, has your father ever said that he loved you? And they go, no, 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 my father, he never said it, but I know he meant it. And you just hear the pain in that response. He never, he never said it, but I know he meant it. You hearing me? Your indifference hurts people. 
Okay? And you're either building them up or you're breaking them down. There's no two ways about it. There's no middle ground about that. Are you pursuing mutual upbuilding? And there's that word mutual. Okay? So it's not just about pursuing somebody else's upbuilding, but pursuing community where you are also being built up. Okay? Mutual upbuilding. So the best scenario is when Warwick and I can be in a relationship where I'm taking care of his needs and he's taking care of my needs. And it is an unselfish relationship, but we are both being built up. That's, that's also an ideal marriage where your spouse is taking care of your needs. You are committed to taking care of your spouse's needs. The relationship remains unselfish but you are both being built up, okay? Are you pursuing mutual ability? Are you pursuing peace? Are you willing to say the things that need to be said? Let's go to Psalm 90. I'd really encourage you to read Romans 14. It's, it is a powerful one. Uh, Psalm. Psalm comes just after Job, in case you are wondering. It's also in the Old Testament. I'm going to, I want to read the whole of Psalm 90 just because um, context. And I'd really encourage you to take Psalm 90 and read it in the week. Read it sometime during our quiet time. Take a whole week just on this. Just meditate on this just to get your year started. Instead of your New Year's resolution, I would say study this scripture. Okay? Make it, make it, part, of this. Make it part of this year for you. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all, in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For thousands of years in your sight are but, a yes, but are as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away. As with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to, to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us, 
Yes, establish the work of our hands. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Here's the thing. Life is short. Okay? It's that red piece on that rope. It's that dash between two dates on a tombstone. It's, you know, the, the, the psalmist is describing it as, you know, it's like, it's like a dream. Start it, you wake up, it's gone. That, that's, that's your life. And the thing is that you don't know when it's going to end. And if you knew that your, day, that your life was going to end tomorrow, how would it impact what you did today? us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He's instructing us to think on these things. Okay, I know it's a, it's a morbid discussion for a Sunday morning, but it, it shouldn't be. Okay? And if this is a depressing topic for you, then you need to go do some soul searching at home. Okay? Because in the psalmist describes life, he says, how many days have you afflicted on us? How many days must we be separated from you? What do I have to do today so that my life with you in eternity is impacted? You get where I'm coming from? And I think, I think this, is, this is the thing that has been on my heart. Okay? If we were numbering our days, would we leave things till the beginning of a year to finally get some sense of urgency, action? If you knew that you weren't here tomorrow, is there a relative you should be phoning now? Make peace with them? Is there something that you should be doing now? Is there somebody that that you work with maybe, that you know you should share your faith with? Do you have that sense of it? Do you have that heart of wisdom that comes from numbering your days? So here's the question. Why do we wait for the beginning of a year to do what we know we should be doing? Okay. And this is, C.S. Lewis described this as the thing that, that separates um, Christianity from other religions, the thing that separates man from animal, animal is this thing of ought, I, I know what I ought to do. And if I was to have a one-on-one conversation with you, if, I, if we were to get at the heart of the matter, you know what you should be doing. That is what separates you from animal. You have a sense of the future, of making decisions now that impact not just your own livelihood, but the livelihood of others. You know that the decisions you make now can impact the future. Somebody said to me, he said he was watching this time travel movie, and this guy went into the past, I think it was Back to the Future or something like that, and they had to be very careful of not changing anything because if they change some small thing there, then it would impact the present. 
And he said, it's funny how everybody gets that movie. Everybody understands that concept of that movie, that if I change something in the past, it could dramatically change something. Yeah, but nobody believes that if I do something now, it could impact the future. You know? Why is that? We, we know in our hearts that we do small things that impact the future. We know. We know that. So what is it that that we should be doing. And I, and I believe that it's this teach us to number our days. And this isn't a, this shouldn't be a depressing, this shouldn't be a depressing conversation. God, teach us to number our days. Why? Because my days are a gift, God. I'm so thankful for them. God, thank you for the joy that I have in life. They're short and they're few. God, thank you that I have these days. Thank you that I've had a life so far where I can see your hand in them. Father, teach me to be thankful for the days that I have. Every time I wake up in the morning, thank you, Father, that I'm alive today, that I have the chance to share my faith, that I have the chance to meet up with Warwick and say, hey, Warwick, you're a cool guy. You know? And Warwick, I see the hand of God in you. Warwick, every time I meet with you, I feel like I'm meeting with Jesus. You know, work, your heart is pure. Yeah. And so small things. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for work. I really am. And I'm thankful for the fact that you serve. Thankful for the fact that you build up in our church and our community. I pray God's blessing upon you. I pray that he, that he comes upon you, that he reveals himself to you. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that I have to stand here and to bless Warwick like that. I'm thankful that I will spend eternity with Warwick. Yeah. And I'm thankful that, that because I am aware of the fact that life is short, I need to say that now in a church service, not wait till tomorrow in an SMS. You understand what I'm saying? Let's all stand together. So, where will you be tomorrow? Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Where will you be at the end of the year? Where will your family members be tomorrow? Where will your co-workers be tomorrow? Lord, teach us to number our days we may gain a heart of wisdom. Father, I just want to thank you for each person here tonight. Ah, this morning, not tonight. Father, I just want to thank you that, that we have the opportunity to meet here without fear of persecution. I thank you, Father, that we can live in an amazing town like George, so close to the beach, lots of sun, Amazing mountains, not so many trees these days, but it's fine. <laughs> but Father, we just want to thank you that, that we have friends, we have family, we have community. And thank you, Father, that community is hard fought for, that we, that we fight sometimes and we get on each other's nerves. But Father, we, 
we pursue peace with one another and it's hard fought for peace and father our heart is to build each other up and thank you father for everything that you've done in our lives and how you've brought us to this place the people that we have father help us not to take for granted the people that are around us and so father i just i just pray that that we can declare not a new year's resolution but a a new life resolution in you to pursue righteousness to pursue peace and to pursue joy in the holy spirit that we may remember where we've come from and give thanks for that that will we that we will be known for our actions and not just our words that people won't just say that we are wise because we say good things but people will see that we are good because of what we do